0: section fifteen of young folks treasury volume three edited by hamilton wright maybe this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by ellen preckle section three of the arabian nights sinbad the sailor in the city of baghdad far away in persia there lived a poor man called hinbad he was a porter and one hot afternoon as he was carrying a very heavy load he stopped to rest in a quiet street near a beautiful house which he had never seen before The pavement outside was sprinkled with rose water, which felt very cool and pleasant to his hot, weary feet, and from the open windows came the most delicious scents, which perfumed all the air. Hinbad wondered who lived in this beautiful house, and presently he went up to one of the splendidly dressed servants, who was standing at the door, and asked to whom it belonged. The servant stared in amazement. "'Dost thou indeed live in Baghdad, and knowest not my master's name?' he said. "'He is the great Sinbad the sailor.' THE MAN WHO HAS SAILED ALL ROUND THE WORLD, AND WHO HAS HAD THE MOST WONDERFUL ADVENTURES UNDER THE SUN. NOW Hinbad HAD OFTEN HEARD OF THIS WONDERFUL MAN, AND OF HIS GREAT RICHES, AND AS HE LOOKED AT THE BEAUTIFUL PALACE, AND SAW THE splendidly dressed SERVANTS, IT MADE HIM FEEL SAD AND ENVIOUS. AS HE TURNED AWAY, SIGHING TO TAKE UP HIS LOAD AGAIN, HE LOOKED UP INTO THE BLUE SKY, AND SAID ALOUD, WHAT A DIFFERENCE THERE IS BETWEEN THIS MAN'S LOT AND MINE. He has all that he wants, and nothing to do but spend money and enjoy a pleasant life, while I have to work hard to get dry bread enough to keep myself and my children alive. What has he done that he should be so lucky, and what have I done that I should be so miserable? Just then one of the servants touched him on the shoulder, and said to him, My noble master wishes to see thee, and has bidden me fetch thee to him. The poor porter was frightened at first, for he thought someone might have overheard what he had been saying, but the servant took his arm and led him into the great dining hall there were many guests seated round the table on which was spread a most delicious feast and at the head of the table sat a grave stately old man with a long white beard this was sinbad the sailor he smiled kindly on poor frightened hindbad and made a sign that he should come and sit at his right hand then all the most delicious things on the table were offered by the servants to hindbad and his glass was filled with the choicest wine so that he began to feel it must all be a dream. But when the feast was over, Sinbad turned to him, and asked him what it was he had been saying outside the window just before he came in. Then Hindbad was very much ashamed, and hung his head as he answered, My lord, I was tired and ill-tempered, and I said foolish words which I trust thou wilt now pardon. Oh, replied Sinbad, I am not so unjust as to blame thee. I am indeed only sorry for thee but thou wert wrong in thinking that I have always led an easy life, and that these riches came to me without trouble or suffering. I have won them by years of toil and danger. Then, turning to his other guests, he said, Yes, my friends, the tale of my adventures is enough to warn every one of you never to go in search of wealth. I have never told you the story of my voyages, but if you will listen, I will begin this very night. So the servants were ordered to carry home the porter's load, that he might stay in Sindbad's palace that evening, "'and listen to the story. "'My father left me a great deal of money "'when I was a young man, "'but I spent it so quickly and foolishly "'that I began to see that it would soon all be gone. "'This made me stop and think, "'for I did not like the idea of being poor. "'So I counted up all the money that remained "'and made up my mind that I would trade with it. "'I joined a company of merchants, "'and we set sail in a good ship, "'meaning to go from place to place "'and sell or exchange our goods "'at whatever towns we stopped.' and so began my first voyage for the first few days i could think of nothing but the heaving of the waves but by and by i began to feel better and never again was i at all unhappy upon the sea one afternoon when the wind had suddenly dropped and we were lying becalmed we found ourselves near a little low green island which looked like a meadow and only just showed above the sea the captain of the ship gave us permission to land and presently we were all enjoying ourselves on the green meadow We walked about for some time and then sat down to rest, and some of us set to work to light a fire, that we might make our evening meal. But scarcely had the fire begun to burn when we heard loud shouts from the ship warning us to come back at once, for what we had taken to be an island was indeed the back of a sleeping whale. My companions all rushed to the boats, but before I could follow them the great monster dived down and disappeared, leaving me struggling in the water." i clung to a piece of wood which we had brought from the ship to make the fire and i could only hope that i would soon be picked up by my companions but alas there was so much confusion on board that no one missed me and as a wind sprang up the captain set sail and i was left alone at the mercy of the waves all night long i floated and when morning came i was so tired and weak that i thought i must die but just then a great wave lifted me up and threw me against the steep side of an island and to my joy i managed to climb the cliff and rest on the green grass above soon i began to feel better and as i was very hungry i went to look for something to eat i found some plants which tasted good and a spring of clear water and having made a good meal i walked about the island to see what i would find next before long i came to a great meadow where a horse was tied and as i stood looking at it i heard men's voices which sounded as if they came from under the earth then from an underground cave a man appeared who asked me who i was and where i came from he took me into the cave where his companions were and they told me they were the grooms belonging to the king of the island whose horses they brought to feed in the meadow they gave me a good meal and told me it was very lucky that i had come just then for next day they meant to return to their master and would show me the way which i could never have found for myself so we set off together early next morning and when we reached the city i was very kindly received by the king he listened to the story of my adventures, and then bade his servants see that I wanted for nothing. As I was a merchant, I took great interest in the shipping, and often went down to the quay to see the boats unloaded. One day, when I was looking over a cargo which had just been landed, what was my astonishment to see a number of bales with my own name marked on them? I went at once to the captain and asked him who was the owner of these bales of goods. Ah, replied the captain, they belonged to a merchant of Baghdad, called Sinbad, but he alas perished in a dreadful way soon after we sailed for with a number of people belonging to my ship he landed on what looked like a green island but which was really the back of a great sleeping whale as soon as the monster felt the warmth of the fire which they had lighted on his back he woke up and dived below the sea many of my men were drowned and among them poor sinbad now i mean to sell his goods that i may give the money to his relations when i find them captain said i these bales are mine "'for I am that Sinbad who thou sayest was drowned.' "'What wickedness there is in the world!' cried the captain. "'How canst thou pretend to be Sinbad "'when I saw him drowned before my eyes?' "'But presently, when I told him all that had happened to me, "'and when the other merchants from the ship "'knew me to be the true Sinbad, "'he was overjoyed, and ordered that the bales "'should be at once given to me. "'Now I was able to give the king a handsome present, "'and after I had traded with my goods "'for sandalwood, nutmegs, ginger, pepper and cloves, I set sail once more with the kind old captain. On the way home I was able to sell all my spices at a good price, so when I landed I found that I had a hundred thousand sequins. My family were delighted to see me again, and I soon bought some land and built a splendid house in which I meant to live happily and forget all the troubles through which I had passed. Here Sinbad ended the story of his first voyage. He ordered the music to strike up and the feast to go on, and when it was over he gave the poor porter Hindbad a hundred gold pieces, and told him to come back at the same time next evening if he wished to hear the tale of the second voyage. Hindbad went joyfully home, and you can imagine how happy the poor family were that night. Next evening he set out once more for Sinbad's house, dressed in his best clothes. There he enjoyed a splendid supper as before, and when it was over, Sinbad said, I was very happy for some time at home, but before long I began to grow weary of leading an idle life. I longed to be upon the sea again, to feel the good ship bounding over the waves, and to hear the wind whistling through the rigging. So I set to work at once, and bought all kinds of goods that I might sell again in foreign lands, and then, having found a suitable ship, I set sail with other merchants, and so began my second voyage. We stopped at many places, and sold our goods at a great profit, and all went well until one day, when we landed on a new island. It was a most beautiful place, fair as the Garden of Eden, where exquisite flowers made a perfect rainbow of color, and delicious fruits hung in ripe clusters above. Here, under the shadow of the tree, I sat down to rest and to feast my eyes upon all the loveliness around. I ate the food I had brought with me, drank my wine, and then closed my eyes. The soft music of the stream which flowed close by was like a song in my ears, and before I knew what I was doing, I fell asleep. I cannot tell how long I slept, but when at last I opened my eyes, I could not see my companions anywhere, and when I looked toward the sea, to my horror, I found the ship was gone. It was sailing away, a white speck in the distance, and here was I, left alone in this desert island. I cried aloud and wrung my hands with grief, and wished with all my heart that I had stayed safely at home. But what was the use of wishing that now? So I climbed into a high tree and looked around to see if I could by any means find a way of escape from the island. First I looked toward the sea, but there was no hope for me there, and then I turned and looked inland. The first thing that caught my eye was a huge white dome that seemed to rise from the center of the island, unlike anything I had ever seen before. I climbed down the tree and made my way toward the white dome as quickly as I could, but when I reached it it puzzled me more than ever it was like a great smooth ball much too slippery to climb and into it there was no door or entrance of any sort i walked round and round it wondering what it could be when suddenly a dark shadow fell upon everything and it grew as black as night i gazed upward in great fear and knew that the shadow was cast by a great bird with outspread wings hovering over the place where i stood and shutting out heaven's light as i looked it suddenly came swooping down and sat upon the white dome then it flashed into my mind that this must be the bird which i had heard sailors talk of called a rock and the smooth white ball must be its egg quick as thought i unbound my turban and twisted it into a rope then i wound it round and round my waist and tied the two ends tightly round the rock's leg which was close to where i stood it will fly away soon and carry me away with it off this desert island i said to myself joyfully and sure enough, before very long, I felt myself lifted off the ground and carried up and up until it seemed as if we had reached the clouds. Then the huge bird began to sink down again, and when it reached the ground I quickly untied my turban and set myself free. I was so small compared to the rock that it had never even noticed me, but darted off toward a great black object lying near, which it seized with its beak and carried off imagine my horror when i looked again and saw other dark objects and discovered that they were great black snakes here was i in a deep valley with mountains rising sheer up on every side and nothing to be seen among the rocks but those terrible black snakes oh i cried why did i ever try to leave the desert island i have indeed only come into worse misfortune as i looked around i noticed that the ground was strewn with sparkling stones which seemed to quiver with light and when i looked nearer i found that they were diamonds of extraordinary size although lying about like common pebbles at first i was delighted but they soon ceased to please me for i feared each moment that i might be seized by one of the terrible snakes these snakes were so large that they could easily have swallowed an elephant and although they lay quiet during the day and hid themselves for fear of the rock, at night they came out in search of food. I managed to find a cave among the rocks before nightfall, and there I sat in fear and trembling until morning, when I once more went out into the valley. As I sat thinking what I should do next, I saw a great piece of raw meat come bounding down into the valley, from rock to rock. Then another piece followed, and another, until several large pieces lay at my feet then i remembered a tale which travellers had told me about the famous diamond valley they said that every year when the young eagles were hatched merchants went to the heights above and rolled down great pieces of raw meat into the valley the diamonds on which the meat fell would often stick into the soft flesh then when the eagles came and carried off the meat to feed their young ones the merchants would beat them off their nests and take the diamonds out of the meat i had never believed this wonderful tale but now indeed i knew it to be true and felt sure that I was in the famous Diamond Valley. I had quite given up all hope of escape, for there was no possible way of climbing out of the valley, but as I watched the eagles carry off the lumps of raw meat, I thought of a plan, and hope revived. First of all, I searched round and filled my pockets with the biggest diamonds I could find. Then I chose out the largest piece of meat, and fastened myself securely to it, with the rope made out of my turban i knew that the eagles would soon come for more food so i lay flat on the ground with the meat uppermost and holding on tightly i waited for what would happen next i had not long to wait before a gigantic eagle came swooping down it seized the meat and carried it and me swiftly up until it reached its nest among the mountain rocks and no sooner had it dropped me into the nest than a man climbed out from behind the rock and with loud cries frightened the eagle away then this man who was the merchant to whom the nest belonged came eagerly to look for his piece of meat when he saw me he started back in surprise and anger what doest thou here he asked roughly how dost thou dare to try and steal my diamonds have patience i answered calmly i am no thief and when thou hast heard my story thou wilt pity and not blame me as for diamonds i have some here which will more than make up to thee for thy disappointment then i told him and the other merchants all my adventures and they cast up their eyes to heaven in surprise at my courage and the wonderful manner in which i had managed to escape so many dangers pulling out a handful of diamonds i then passed the precious stones round among them and they all declared them to be the finest they had ever seen thou shalt choose one to make up for thy disappointment i said to the merchant who had found me i will choose this small one he replied picking out one of the least of the glistening heap i urged him to take a larger one but he only shook his head This one will bring me all the wealth I can desire, he said, and I need no longer risk my life seeking for more. Then we all set out for the nearest port, where we found a ship ready to carry us home. We had many adventures on the way, but at last we reached our journey's end, and when I had sold my diamonds, I had so much money that I gave a great deal to the poor, and lived in even greater splendor than before. Here Senbad paused, and ordered that another hundred gold pieces should be given to Hindbad, and that he should depart but next evening when the guests had all assembled and hidbad had also returned sinbad began once more to tell them a story of his adventures this time began sinbad i stayed at home for the space of a whole year and then i prepared to set out on another voyage my friends and relations did all in their power to prevent my going but i could not be persuaded and before long i set sail in a ship which was about to make a very long voyage nothing went well with us from the beginning we were driven out of our course by storms and tempests and the captain and pilot knew not where we were when at last they found out in which direction we had drifted things seemed in a worse state than ever we were alarmed to see the captain suddenly pull off his turban tear the hair from his beard and beat his head as if he were mad what is the matter we asked gathering round him alas he cried we are lost THE SHIP IS NOW CAUGHT IN A DANGEROUS CURRENT, FROM WHICH NOTHING CAN SAVE HER AND US. IN A VERY FEW MOMENTS WE SHALL ALL BE DASHED TO PIECES. NO SOONER HAD HE SPOKEN THAN THE SHIP WAS CARRIED ALONG AT A TREMENDOUS SPEED, STRAIGHT ONTO A ROCKY SHORE, WHICH LAY AT THE FOOT OF A STEEP MOUNTAIN. BUT ALTHOUGH THE SHIP WAS DASHED TO PIECES, WE ALL MANAGED TO ESCAPE, AND WERE THROWN WITH OUR GOODS AND SOME PROVISIONS HIGH ONTO THE ROCKY STRIP OF SHORE here we found the scattered remains of many wrecks and quantities of bones bleached white in the sun we may prepare ourselves for death said the captain mournfully no man has ever escaped from this shore for it is impossible to climb the mountain behind us and no ship dare approach to save us but nevertheless he divided the provisions among us that we might live as long as possible one thing that surprised me greatly was a river of fresh water which flowed out of the mountain and instead of running into the sea, disappeared into a rocky cavern on the other side of the shore. As I gazed into the mouth of this cavern, I saw that it was lined with sparkling gems, and that the bed of the river was studded with rubies and diamonds and all manner of precious stones. Great quantities of these were also scattered around, and treasures from the wrecked ships lay in every corner of the shore. One by one my companions died as they came to the end of their food, and one by one I buried them, until at last I was left quite alone i was able to live on very little and so my food had lasted longer woe is me i cried who shall bury me when i die why oh why was i not content to remain safe and happy at home as i bemoaned my evil fate i wandered to the banks of the river and as i watched it disappear into the rocky cave a happy thought came to me Surely if this stream entered the mountain, it must have an opening somewhere, and if I could only follow its course, I might yet escape. Eagerly I began to make a strong raft of the wood and planks which were scattered all over the shore. Then I collected as many diamonds and rubies, and as much wrecked treasure as my raft would hold, and took my last little store of food. I launched the raft with great care, and soon found myself floating swiftly along, until I disappeared into the dark passage of the cavern on and on i went through the thick darkness the passage seeming to grow smaller and narrower until i was obliged to lie flat on the raft for fear of striking my head my food was now all gone and i gave myself up for lost and then mercifully i fell into a deep sleep which must have lasted many hours i was awakened by the sound of strange voices and jumping up what was my joy to find i was once more in heaven's sunshine the river was flowing gently through a green pleasant land and the sounds i had heard were the voices of a company of negroes who were gently guiding my craft to the bank i could not understand the language these negroes spoke until at last one of their number began to speak to me in arabic peace be to thee he said who art thou and whence hast thou come we are the people of this country and were working in our fields when we found thee asleep upon the raft tell us then how thou hast come to this place i pray thee by allah i cried give me food and then i will tell thee all then the men gave me food and i ate until my strength returned and my soul was refreshed and i could tell them of all my adventures we must take him to the king they cried with one voice then they told me that the king of serendib was the richest and greatest king on earth and i went with them willingly taking with me my bales and treasures never had i seen such splendor and richness as at the court of the king of serendib and great was his kindness toward me He listened to the tale of my adventures with interest, and when I begged to be allowed to return home, he ordered that a ship should be made ready at once. Then he wrote a letter with his own hand to the caliph, our sovereign lord, and loaded me with costly gifts. Thus, when I arrived at Baghdad, I went at once to the court of the caliph, and presented the letter and the gift which the king had sent. This gift was a cup made out of a single ruby, lined inside with precious stones, also a skin of the serpent that swallows elephants which had spots upon its back like pieces of gold and which could cure all illnesses the caliph was delighted with the letter and the gift tell me o sinbad he said is this king as great and rich as it is reported of him o my lord i said no words can give you an idea of his riches his throne is set upon a huge elephant and a thousand horsemen ride round him clad in cloth of gold his maces of gold studded with emeralds, and indeed his splendor is as great as that of King Solomon. The caliph listened attentively to my words, and then, giving me a present, he allowed me to depart. I returned home swiftly to my family and friends, and when I had sold my treasures and given much to the poor, I lived in such peace and happiness that my evil adventures soon seemed like a far-off dream. So Sinbad finished the story and bade his guests return the next evening as usual and next day when all the guests were once more seated at the table and had finished their feasting sindbad began the story of his last voyage i had now made up my mind that nothing would tempt me to leave my home again and that i would seek for no more adventures one day however as i was feasting with my friends one of my servants came to tell me that a messenger from the caliph awaited my pleasure what is thy errand i asked when the messenger was presented to me the caliph desires thy presence at once answered the messenger Thus was I obliged to set out immediately for the palace. Sinbad, said the caliph, when I had bowed myself to the ground before him, I have need of thy services. I desire to send a letter and a gift to the king of Serendib, and thou shalt be the bearer of them. Then indeed did my face fall, and I became pale as death. Commander of the faithful, I cried, do with me as thou wilt, but I have made a vow never to leave my home again. Then I told him all my adventures which caused him much astonishment. Nevertheless he urged me to do as he wished, and seeing that there was no escape, I consented. I set sail at the caliph's command, and after a good voyage I at last reached the island of Serendib, where I received a hearty welcome. I told the officers of the court what my errand was, and they led me to the palace where I bowed myself to the ground before the great king. Sinbad, he said kindly, thou art welcome. I have often thought of thee and wished to see thy face again so i presented the caliph's letter and the rich present he had sent which pleased the king well when a few days had passed i begged to be allowed to depart and after receiving many gifts i once more set sail for home but alas the return journey began badly we had not sailed many days when we were pursued by pirates who captured the ship and took prisoners all those who were not killed i among others was carried ashore and sold by a pirate to a rich merchant "'What is thy trade?' asked the merchant, when he had bought me. "'I'm a merchant,' I answered, and know no trade. "'Canst thou shoot with a bow and arrow?' asked my master. "'This, I said, I could do, and putting one in my hand, "'he led me out into a great forest, and bade me climb into a high tree. "'Watch there,' he said, "'until thou shalt see a herd of elephants pass by. "'Then try to shoot one, and if thou art fortunate, "'come at once and tell me.' "'All night I watched and saw nothing,' but in the morning a great number of elephants came thundering by, and I shot several arrows among them. One big elephant fell to the ground and lay there while the rest passed on, so as soon as it was safe I climbed down and carried the news to my master. Together we buried the huge animal and marked the place, so that we might return to fetch the tusks. I continued this work for some time, and killed many elephants, until one night I saw to my horror that the elephants, instead of passing on, had surrounded the tree in which I sat, and were stamping and trumpeting until the very earth shook. Then one of them seized the tree with his trunk and tore it up by the roots, laying it flat on the ground. I was almost senseless with terror, but the next moment I felt myself gently lifted up by an elephant's trunk and placed on his back. I clung on with all my might as the elephant carried me through the forest, until at last we came to the slope of a hill, which was covered with bleached bones and tusks. Here the elephant gently laid me down and left me alone i gazed around on this great treasure of ivory i could not help but wondering at the wisdom of these animals they had evidently brought me here to show me that i could get ivory without killing any more of their number for this i felt sure was the elephant's burying place i did not stay long on the hill but gathering a few tusks together i sped back to the town that i might tell my tale to the merchant "'My poor Sinbad!' he cried when he saw me. "'I thought thou wert dead, for I found the uprooted tree, and never expected to look upon thy face again. Great was his delight when I told him of the hill of Ivory, and when we had gone there together, and he saw for himself the wonders I had described. He was filled with astonishment. "'Sinbad!' he cried. "'Thou too shalt have a share of this great wealth, and first of all I shall give thee thy freedom.' until now year by year have all my slaves been killed by the elephants but now we need no longer run any risks for here is ivory enough to enrich the whole island so i was set free and loaded with honors and when the trade winds brought the ships that traded in ivory i bade good-bye to the island and set sail for home carrying with me a great cargo of ivory and other treasures as soon as i landed i went to the caliph who was overjoyed to see me "'Great has been my anxiety, O Sinbad,' he said, "'for I feared some evil had befallen thee. "'When, therefore, I had told him of my adventures, "'he was the more astonished, "'and ordered that all my story should be written "'in letters of gold and placed among his treasures. "'Then I returned to my own house, "'and ever since have remained at home, "'in peace and safety. "'Thus Sinbad finished the story of his voyages, "'and turning to Hindbad, he said, "'And now, friend Hindbad, "'what dost thou think of the way I have earned my riches?' is it not just that i should live in enjoyment and ease o my lord cried hindbad bowing before sinbad and kissing his hand great have been thy labours and perils and truly dost thou deserve thy riches my troubles are as nothing compared to thine long mayest thou live and prosper sinbad was well pleased with this answer and he ordered that hindbad should dine every day at his table and receive his golden pieces so that all his life he might have reason to remember the adventures of sinbad the sailor End of section 15, and end of the Arabian Nights.